everybody, and welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key, and we're going to take a complete 180 and decide not to talk about gaming or movies, because I'm going to go into a bit of a brief discussion. As you guys probably know, if you watched or watched, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I have uh, started a new job as of uh, Monday. So I am no longer uh, working in the plant, uh, a place that I've worked for just over four and a half years and have been recording the podcast for just over two. I've now taken to bringing my podcast equipment home with me. So if you can see the way that I have my current setup right now, you'll probably be laughing at me because not only uh, am I not operating on a desk, but my laptop is currently on my couch and I'm using a little coffee table for my microphone and mixer equipment. Nonetheless, this is a brand new start for me, one that I'm very excited about, one that I am looking forward to continuing to grow within the company that I'm currently working for because this is a brand new role that was created for me. And it has a lot more to do with writing and proofreading and editing, copy editing than I've done in the last four years. And I'm very happy to finally get back into this world. Uh, And I had my first in-office training on Tuesday. And I got to tell you, this was probably my favorite first day in the office meeting everybody that I've had since I worked at BNN many years ago. It felt as if I was uh, going to work on a typical day and I've already known people for like three to three or four months. It was just very warm and welcoming and everybody was super pleasant, super happy to have me. And they were very intrigued by my background uh, starting off in the plant because a lot of the people uh, that are working in corporate don't have a clue about the processes uh, that go into making the product that um, they are advertising uh, through the marketing department, which is funny. But um, yeah, I bring a certain type of dynamic. And it was an interesting first day because I already have a bit of a leg up knowing the product and knowing the brand of the company that I work for. And so therefore, like, I feel like I have a bit of an advantage to prior jobs that I've worked at. Um, so I, I'm, all I'm doing at this point is just learning the, the branding, learning the lingo, learning the language, uh, and, you know, improving upon my skills of writing, because in a way that's where I feel like I've been lacking is I haven't been able to do as much writing as I would have liked, but now I'm thrown into it. So I have no choice but to rehone those skills. But my wife basically told me, uh, earlier this week that it should be nothing more than simply riding a bike, right? I mean, the skills are already there. And it's just been kind of tucked away, much like riding a bike, much like putting on a set of skates and going skating. You know, it's something that you don't just forget overnight. Otherwise, I have finally finished uh, Moon Knight Season 1, and it was definitely a much, much darker ending that I was expecting. I mean, I think they were were teasing the fact that the the back half of the season was going to delve into darker territory. It certainly did. We certainly got a more of an inside look inside the background of um, Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, who is the sort of dual personality of this character who takes on the Moon Knight moniker. We got to know a little bit more about how Mark basically developed this alternate persona, Stephen Grant. Uh, and it's a very dark and unsettling backstory. And so... 
to learn about all that and to see how it culminated into a pretty epic finale. I'm super excited for where they're, where they're going to possibly go with this character because they did set up a very interesting and very intriguing cliffhanger for this season. And I would love to see Moon Knight get renewed for a second season because I think that there's so much more to explore with this character. Uh, and we're only just scratching the surface of how crazy this story can get. Um, I think that he needs a little bit more time on the television end to simmer before they introduce him to the larger films. But they have to have a reason to bring him to the film at this point, because right now it seems like he's sort of still self-contained in his own little uh, corner of the universe. And there's going to be a reason to eventually have him sort of join the larger Avengers characters. I'm sure they'll get there eventually. I think Kevin Feige has plans for Moon Knight and wants to see him take on a larger role in at least the supernatural side of the of the universe and of course this week as you know uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness drops in theaters if you guys ha- haven't gone and seen it yet uh by the time this is re- this is released try to avoid any potential spoilers uh, you know me i throw myself headfirst into these spoilers so i've already kind of you know spoiled certain things about this film just like specific characters that were showing up because at the end of the day it doesn't bother me i i'm gonna read about it later eventually and then once the higher res video shows up on youtube it's gonna start slipping into my dms pretty soon so i already know like some pretty major spoilers of like characters and story arcs and stuff that are taking place in this movie nonetheless i think that they only paint a very small picture of the larger film they're trying to paint I'm going to be excited when I finally go and get to see this film because I think it's going to be chaotic. I think it's going to be madness, as the film title suggests. As well, besides Moon Knight, I also have started Succession over on Crave, uh, which is, I believe, an HBO series. And I'm about five episodes in. And I didn't know if this series was going to grip me, but it's slowly starting to dig its its, uh, hooks into me. I think the characters are really well written. They're funny. And it is kind of this like comedy drama, but it's very like sad and depressing as well, but mostly funny. I I find it very entertaining just watching some of these characters interact with each other and some of the things that they say. But this seems to be a, um, a mega hit on HBO right now. And I hope it's HBO. I feel like I'm getting it wrong. But Succession is currently a mega hit right now on television. And I think they either just are starting or have finished their third season. And it's still it's still got a ways to go, apparently. I've still got a ways to go with it. I'm only five episodes into the first season. And I'm currently enjoying it. And I'm planning to stick around. But I want to get away from that. And I want to talk about some of the bigger stories that have dropped this week. I started putting this lineup together today. Uh, I grabbed a couple of headlines uh, that are you know stuck out from this week but i was i was really busy with work and i didn't really get a chance to do a deep dive into as much of the stories as i would have liked so i'm gonna kind of do like a bit of a pinnacles of the week the first one i i thought was a very interesting story it stood out to me it came first thing on monday it was the news about square enix uh selling off crystal dynamics idos montreal and more of their subsidiary companies including the Tomb Raider IP, to Embracer Group for a total of $300 million for all these studios and associated IPs. And it's doing it on a cash and debt-free basis, which is to be paid in full at closing. This is according to the company. 
Embracer Group has entered into an agreement to acquire Crystal, Eidos, and Square Enix Montreal from Square Enix alongside a catalog of intellectual properties. This includes Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, and more than 50 others too. So this is actually supposed to be a pretty quick close. Uh, it's expected to close sometime in the second year of Embracer's 2022 and 2023 financial year. In other words, sometime between July and September of this year. Um, Embracer Group did release a press release that said that they are thrilled to welcome these studios into the Embracer Group. They recognize the fantastic IP, world-class creative talent, and track record of excellence that have demonstrated time and again over the past decades. It has been a great pleasure meeting with leadership teams and discussing future plans for how they can realize their ambitions and become a great part of Embracer. So, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, because Tomb Raider was mentioned in the title, and we did get the announcement that a fourth Tomb Raider game is going to be in development. Still with Crystal Dynamics, but it's going to be under the Embracer Group umbrella. As well, you know, you've got um, Marvel's Avengers and Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, both of which are from Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal, are now owned by Embracer Group. It's interesting that Square is selling off a lot of these major properties right now, but they cite that they're adapting to the changes underway in the global business environment, considering the rise of blockchain technology, cloud gaming, and artificial intelligence, and its own investment in each. So I think it's been pretty clear, especially with the release of Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think those two games in particular kind of undershot their expectations and square has been less than impressed with a lot of its western studios um more recently you know of course they considered avengers a bit of a disappointing release so it seems as though they're going to continue to move forward with their studios in japan as well as their external studios and they'll continue to make their games continue to publish franchises such as outriders just cause life is strange final fantasy all those big games, those are the ones that they're really focusing on. But the the note that they're focusing on AI blockchain is a bit unsettling. You know, there was some big talk and rumors that Square was going to possibly be bought by something like Sony. I don't see that happening now because as much as they consider games like the Tomb Raider and Deus Ex and Avengers and Guardians failures, they're pretty big titles over here in the West. And I think that it would have made Square a much more uh, attractive purchase. I mean, intriguingly enough, you know, there is still a possibility that a studio like Sony would want to reach out to try to swipe up Square. It's hard to say, because I don't think that a game like Life is Strange is enough to really warrant a company wanting to buy the entire studio. But I know that there are people who are, who are huge fans of Life is Strange. And unfortunately, I just haven't hopped onto that bandwagon. I did try a bit of the first Life is Strange. And eventually, I may go back to it someday. It's not the biggest acquisition that we've seen so far this year. But this does join the list of acquisitions that we've already seen. Um, this includes, obviously, Take-Two Interactive purchasing Zynga back in January. Of course, then a week after that, Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard, which we're going to go into a little bit in our next story, as well as the Sony buying Bungie, as well as Sony also buying Haven Studios, which was Jade Raymond's new studio. Now, Embracer Group is also, they're boosting their studio morale here. They have purchased companies like Perfect World Entertainment, Dark Horse Media, uh, back in 2021, and as far back as 2020, they acquired the developer behind World War Z, Saber Interactive. So we're going to 
possibly see this is probably their biggest acquisition so far their biggest named acquisition so far so i'm intrigued to see if we're gonna see a little more of a fighting chance from embracer group because this was kind of a relatively unknown company at least up until two years ago when they started making these acquisitions i mean I could be wrong. I didn't know much about them, but they're probably a bigger company than than let on. I might need to do a bit more research on that. But this is a very interesting story. I think one of the biggest gaming stories of the week, personally. Aside from this next one, which kind of came as a bit of a surprise. Not really. But, I mean, we all know that Activision Blizzard has been in a bit of hot water for the past year. With a lawsuit now coming in from the state of New York City that claims that Activision CEO Bobby Kotick was rushing to sell the company to Microsoft in order to escape legal liability in the wake of last summer's allegations of sexual assault. So the complaint, which was shared by Axios, was filed on April 26th by the New York City Employees Retirement System, which is a pension fund for city teachers, firefighters, and police. Now, the city does own a substantial quantity of Activision stock, and they believe that the value of the stock was hurt in no small part due to the acquisition. So they, they do admit that in the filing, it has been looking to gain access to Activision's books in order to sue Bobby Kotick and the Activision Blizzard board over the value lost to the company in the wake of multiple sexual assault or sexual misconduct reports. So the suit is also saying that given Kotick's personal responsibility and liability for Activision's broken workplace, it should have been clear to the board that he was unfit to negotiate a, a sale of the company. New York is saying that the Microsoft deal, which is pending regulator approval, otherwise by the FTC, allows Kotick and his fellow directors a means to escape liability for their egregious breaches of fiduciary duty. It also says that Microsoft's $95 a share offer undervalues the company, which was trading at a close to that before Activision's public scandals began last summer. To look at the bigger picture, Axios did an interesting kind of gathering of the avalanche of lawsuits and investigations since last summer that have been tallied in their latest quarterly finding, this includes one federal harassment suit that was settled through facing appeals, one dis discrimination suit from California, one purported class action lawsuit, four shareholder lawsuits consolidated to two, eight lawsuits over the Microsoft merger, four voluntarily dismissed, two 220 complaints, including the one from New York City, plus an SEC investigation and insider trading inquiries from the SEC and Department of Justice. So, guys, if you are following the news, it, it is no surprise that Activision Blizzard is, is in hot water. The, the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal has had this dark cloud looming over it for the better part of the year, at least since it was announced back in January. Unfortunately, we're not going to know more until we uh, find the, that FTC is going to take a look and see if this is a legit deal. It's kind of it's kind of hard to say at this point. I mean, they've got a lot going against them, but they could the FTC could certainly turn around and say that this deal was was done properly. One is basically holding out hope that once this deal, if it does go through, as I've been saying means that Bobby Kotick will finally be ousted from the company and they can replace a lot of the board with uh, newer, fresher faces, people who are going to bring this company out from the dirty soil that it's basically being dug into and turn this company around. Because right now, a game like Overwatch 2, I feel like, is also being overshadowed by this whole like scandal that's been going on. It hasn't really left. And I feel like 
even a couple of weeks back when I was talking about that brand new IP that um, Blizzard is trying to announce, I feel as though like it may have just been in my poll question, but I do feel as if anything that's coming out of Activision Blizzard is being looked at with kind of like a, given last week's Call of Duty announcement, probably, I mean, people are still going to buy the games because they're popular games and people love the shooters, but it's like, are you it's almost like the whole debate about are you going to buy Hogwarts Legacy or are you going to you going to hate on it because Hogwarts is technically a JK Rowling property and JK Rowling has said some pretty nasty things about the trans community. You have to think about it in terms of this. Are you going to support Activision Blizzard despite the fact that Bobby Kotick is still heading up the uh, the company at least until the close of this deal? Uh, so we're going to see we're going to see this just this new suing by the New York City is just another to add to the list to add to the dartboard of issues that are going on at Activision Blizzard. I do want to do a quick discussion on the new Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. Of course, we knew that with May the 4th uh happening this week that we were going to get something out of Star Wars uh whether it be maybe a trailer for like the Jedi Fallen Order sequel or it was going to be probably Obi-Wan, which it was Obi-Wan. So it was a new trailer. We got some new footage, a couple, a couple of new characters that were shown. But the big one is the fact that we now got this sort of one-on-one that's going to be happening between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. We got a bit more of a shot of Darth Vader, at least his chest armor. And we got the breathing, which I think was in the first trailer as well. This is very exciting. I, I was talking to somebody online about the fact that Anytime Darth Vader comes on screen or anytime you hear the breathing, you kind of get chills. Like that whole entire ending scene from Rogue One was probably like my favorite scene of the film because <laughs> it was so like it was spooky and it was absolutely like perfect. It was an absolutely perfect way to bring Darth Vader into that film. And it was how they closed out their film with this epic long shot of these like soldiers trying to escape him. And he was almost like a shark in the water. So Darth Vader is this looming force in the Star Wars universe. And it's so amazing that these two actors, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor, who have not played these characters in over 15 years, are finally coming back to revisit these roles and finally get a nice climactic showdown or rematch that we've been waiting for. So this is coming out um, at the end of May, actually, May 27th. Now, the news actually a couple of weeks ago, Ewan McGregor did give us the announcement following the first trailer that they were going to delay the show by two days, but promised that they were going to deliver the first two episodes on the 27th. So we're going to get a double episode hit, probably hour long episodes. And I think it's a six episode miniseries, if I do recall. So I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to this. Stay tuned later in the episode because I'm going to kind of tie the poll question around this with an interesting sort of comparison. And I want to get your take on it, but I will save it until the end. Finally, this one, it was a fairly new story. I think it dropped uh, yesterday. Oh, I lied. It dropped two days ago. I only just read the Twitter post regarding this game. And I kind of responded to a friend on Twitter as a joke to this game. Now, I didn't know. I actually completely forgot about this. But apparently, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time was getting a remake. uh, And it turns out that... Ubisoft has announced that the developer for the upcoming game, which was originally Ubisoft Poon and Ubisoft Mumbai. I don't know why Poon sounds so like sexual. (laughs) 
those two companies are no longer going to be co-developing the remake and instead my uh, ubisoft montreal is actually taking over so funny enough actually the french publisher did write on their french official twitter account that ubisoft montreal was the very birthplace of the epic sands of time trilogy uh now following a tweet uh with the announcement of this actually let's see they put a prince of persia gave an update i want to read it for you guys they said, Hello, Prince of Persia fans. The development of Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake will now be led by Ubisoft Montreal, the very birthplace of the epic Sands of Time trilogy. The decision is an important step, and the team, building upon the work achieved by Ubisoft Poon <laughs> and Ubisoft Mumbai, I'm sorry, I, it, Poon, come on, guys, will now take the time they need to regroup on the scope of the game to deliver you the best experience for this remake for an all-time classic when it's ready. We want to thank you and your continuous support and patience throughout the development. Rest assured that we will update you on the progress in a future update. Now, funny enough, as I'm making the joke about Poon and Mumbai, but mostly Poon because Poon is a funny uh, name for a studio. Poon? Maybe there's a different way to say it. Ubisoft Poon? Whatever. I had never heard of these two studios and the fact that they are co-developing this game. I am very curious to actually find out if they have any other games under their belt because to do a game like Prince of Persia is a pretty big feat. Let me let me double check. Okay, so I didn't have to look very far uh, to determine that Ubisoft Mumbai has not developed a game before. Uh, Sands of Time Remake would have been their first game but it seems as if now the development moving to Ubisoft Montreal, which is a well-established development studio, must mean that it was not moving at the pace Ubisoft would have liked, considering that they were putting it nicely in their tweet to say that they're going to begin on the, the work that they had started. Maybe they just didn't have faith that they were going to take it all the way and that it was going to be as successful of a remake as they hoped. As I was saying, the one friend that I was talking about, Mitch George, uh, formerly of Press YYZ, made a joke saying that this game is probably going to come out before Kingdom Hearts 4, to which I said, um, yeah, so about 15 years out from now, right? Uh, considering the development cycle between Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3, that it took about 15 years for those two games, uh, for Kingdom Hearts 3 to release, um, despite having you know loads of spinoffs and sequels and other handheld collections and shit like that. So, I mean, now that Ubisoft Montreal is taking this on uh, and it is the original studio who developed the remake, I think we're in good hands. And I feel sorry for uh, Ubisoft, Ubisoft Poon. Oh, my Lord. Ubisoft Poon and Ubisoft Mumbai because, you know, they were given the chance. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for them, but I'm sure they are going to have some future success. Hopefully, um, they are going to look to continue to um, improve and maybe work on some smaller titles or something. Um, maybe this was a bit too much of a uh, of a big project for them to work on. This game has been uh, it's been in uh, development for a couple of years now, and so it was interesting to see that like they finally, after all these delays, are finally announcing that a different studio is going to take it on. So it means it's going to be a couple of years probably. Probably another year and a half, two years before we really see this game. And by then, are people really going to care? I, I don't know. I never played the Prince of Persia game. So I, I'm not I'm not really waiting with bated breath on this one. Well, I guess we'll see. You know, if you guys are excited for it, let me know in the comments. 
Finally, I want to talk about the poll question from last week. I wanted to ask you guys about uh, how. What did you think that Elon Musk's Twitter deal could help or hinder the platform going forward? Uh, so I asked you guys that question last week, told you I would give you the answer this week. So on at Will Key, 24% of you said help, 43% of you said hinder, and 33% of you said unclear. Now, if I move over to the app podcast outbreak side, I believe there was only like one vote over there. 100% of you said unclear. So based on the two uh, Twitter accounts, it seems as though you guys are sort of on the unclear and hinder spectrum. It's because we don't really know much. I I had a feeling it was going to lean those ways because right now, all we see is this this big multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire buying up a social media platform. How can there be anything good to come from that? Well, the thing is, we don't know. And that's the thing. That's where the unclear part comes in, because we don't know. Right now, we're viewing it as sort of a negative, because we're viewing Elon Musk as sort of a Donald Trump-like figure, because he's got all this money, and he's just basically buying stuff to do what he wants with. That seems like the hindering part. But the unclear part is, what is he going to do with this platform? So if you guys have any idea, let me know in the comments. I am curious to know why you guys feel that he's going to hinder the platform. Um, I'm very curious to determine that. And the people who did vote that he was going to help it, uh, I want to hear from you too. This is a very interesting discussion. It's a very interesting topic that we're going to cover. Finally, I want to finish off with our new poll question. I did mention that it is Obi-Wan related, but I want to pit two shows against each other, two shows that are coming out within a week of each other, basically, both on Disney+. I want to know... Are you guys more excited for Obi-Wan Kenobi or Miss Marvel? Miss Marvel drops, I believe, on June 8th, which is about a week after Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, both these shows are going to be on Disney+, and they're going to be fighting for your screen time. They're going to be fighting for your views, even though they're both owned by Disney. So technically, the more views, the merrier. They're both going to win regardless, but it's Marvel versus Star Wars in an epic duel. So let me know. Are you guys more excited for Obi-Wan or are you more excited for Miss Marvel? I can already tell you, and I'm going to place my bets right now. I think we're going to get more excitement for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's a nostalgia thing. That is a nostalgia hit. People have been looking forward to this for years to see Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen come back into the spotlight. Despite the negative publicity, the negative connotations that they received in their roles at the time, I think enough time has passed that the nostalgia wave is starting to trickle in for these characters. And and now that they're not run by George Lucas and they're run by a proper writer in Dave Filoni, I think we're going to, and I think Deborah Chow, I believe is also heading up this series. I think we're going to see some success. I I really do think so. And it's nice to see the the beard back for Ewan McGregor. So the question will be available starting at the release of this episode. It will be up for about a week, and we will discuss the answers on next week's episode. Guys, uh, apologies if I didn't feel as if I was, uh, you know, well-versed in a lot of the discussion. I was kind of, you know, rolling with the punches here. But hopefully by next week's episode, I will have done a bit more research once I've settled into my new role at my job. This was kind of just throwing things together and just coming up with a show So if it did come across like I didn't know what I was talking about, I do apologize, but I promise I will do better next time. Maybe I'm just selling myself too short. Maybe I actually do know what I'm talking about, and you guys are just like, wow, Will is like an expert. How many times did he say poon in this episode? Like, holy crap, this guy's funny. Anyways, 
let's bring this show to a close. You can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news pieces, or general opinions on anything I find interesting. I do want to turn your attention to wkey.wordpress.com because last week, before I started my job, I did write a new feature article um, discussing whether I thought that the Arrowverse, which is a popular multiversal you know, media franchise over on the CW network, is on the outs considering we got the announcement of the cancellation of both Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow. So I think that's a very fascinating read. If you guys go over there now, you can check it out. It should be at the top of the page. I really enjoyed writing about it because I did watch Legends of Tomorrow and I was a fan of it at the early days. But I'm finding that a lot of the shows are just starting to trickle out and we haven't really seen anything with the punch that Arrow and The Flash had in their early days as well. Guys, head over to my social media platforms and you can follow me over there. The podcast Twitter account is at Podcast Outbreak, but you can also follow me on my personal Twitter account, which is at Will Key, Key spelled K-E-E. If you want to search me up on TikTok, search William Outbreak, all one word. You can also search William Outbreak on Redbubble. This is where I have two shirt designs, not just on shirts. You can get them on sweaters, dresses, aprons, wallets, clocks, bath mats, shower curtains. The list goes on and on. Um, join my Discord server and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Both the links are available in the show notes below. If you guys missed it, we are now on Anchor.fm. So you can search the show officially on Anchor.fm backslash The Outbreak Podcast. But we can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music Plus Audible, and TuneIn Plus Alexa. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and have yourselves a great night.